music and the graphics this week. That's good. Eventually, we're going to get this perfect, and we'll be, uh, and the series will be done. Um, reminded me of uh, you know that two front teeth song. You know, reminds us of all these Christmas songs that you know we like. Some of them um, we've been singing today, and some of them uh, that we get from the rest of the world. And some of you know. Uh, Cheryl is living out her lifelong dream of being a nun uh, right now in the song, uh, in the musical Sound of Music at Diamond Head Theater. Um, don't try to get tickets. They're, I think they're sold out. Um, and she says she doesn't have a big part anyways. She's wearing a nun habit, so you can't tell her from the other nuns. Um, but if you really want to go, I may sell you my ticket. Um, just. <laughs> take offers, bids. Um, but there's a song in there about favorite things, favorite things. And so sometimes, you know, one of the privileges of being pastors, I get to share with you some of my favorite things. And, uh, you know, we talked about the wonderful world of dark chocolate. But another one of my favorite things is, is Korean food and really spicy Korean food. This is like, I think this is like jalapeno peppers stuffed with something else hot. And, you know, I love, uh, you know, we love to eat Korean food, and again, spicier the better. Um, and I remember one time when Cheryl and I went to this Korean restaurant. It's not there anymore. It was over on Keoboku and, and Young Street. And we went over there, and uh, everybody was speaking Korean, which was not good for us because we don't speak Korean. But we went in, we were able to order, and as, as we finished the meal, um, the, the waiter brought out this bowl of brown water. And Sean and I looked at the bowl and were like, what are we supposed to do with this? Because we didn't know if we were supposed to wash our hands in it or to drink it, right? And it didn't look good. It looked like brown water. Um, but, you know, so this is early in our lives together, and of course, as the man, I have to impress her. So of course I take it and I drink it, right? Not fully knowing what it is. Turns out it's sugar water. You know, they, some Korean restaurants give it at the end to take the spice out of, out of your mouth. But I still remember sitting there and, you know, well-meaning people doing a good thing that they do for everybody else. And we're totally clueless. We don't know what, what is this thing that they're bringing to us. And you know, I think sometimes God must feel that way about us. He gives us these gifts. You know, we've talked about the gifts He's been giving us. You know, we talked about the first week from gift of hope. You know, we, we talked about the gift of, of seeking truth. And, and all of these gifts, we, we get an idea, we, we have some understanding, but the one that we struggle with is the one we're going to talk about today. And we struggle with it because we're like Cheryl and I at the Korean restaurant, not knowing what that bowl of water is. We, we knew it was a bowl of water, but we didn't know what it was or what it's for. And the thing that, that, that the gift of today, we know the word, we sort of understand it, but we really don't know what it is. We don't know what it's for. And it's this word, grace. Grace. 
the, you know, many people, they, they think about grace. We sing that song. It's even popular among, you know, outside of in Christian circles, the song Amazing Grace. And we, we say it's amazing. What is amazing about it? Do you even know what grace is? And we sometimes have this kind of vague idea about what grace is. But it's unfortunately become just this word. And it's in a word that we know we can't do without, we can't do without, but we're not 100% sure what it means. And yet it's this gift, in fact, it's perhaps among the most important gifts that God gives us. On Wednesday night at our, at our um, Bible study that we have here, dinner and everything, instead of having a Bible study, we did this, um, this game I made, and it was a game of taking words and phrases from familiar Christmas songs and then giving people time to write down the song that it was from. Um, there were four groups, so out of 20 songs, the one group that got the most got 11, which was pretty good. Next group down was three, next group down was two, next group down was one. One. These weren't obscure songs, these were very familiar, some Christian, some otherwise. But, but it, was, it, was, it was hard. And what was funny is sometimes people could actually say the line from the song that the word was in, but they couldn't remember the song. Sometimes it was like they had no idea. One of the phrases was, a happy morning. We sang that today. Hopefully you remember what song it was from. But that night, not very many people people could remember. Happy morning. And it's because, again, these, these words, we hear them so much, and maybe they were explained at some point, or they weren't explained, and we just say it, and it just becomes kind of like background stuff. And happy morning, fine if it's in the background. I know some of you can't pay attention to the sermon because you're trying to think about, what song was it from? <laughs> Come back. Born this happy morning. Remember that song we sang today? Good. Uh, oh, come on, you faithful. There, solved it for you. And grace becomes one of those words. We don't know what it is. And we don't know what it's for. And yet God gives us this. Now, some of us, you know, we know a little bit. We, we, you know, we've heard this before, that grace is unmerited favor. We hear that grace is that we receive from God blessings that we don't deserve. But even then we don't fully get it because we don't get the context of what we don't deserve. Because if you don't have the proper context of what we don't deserve, you don't really understand grace. Because what good thing do you deserve? Nothing. If we really understand grace, we understand that we deserve nothing good from God. We deserve no blessings from God. In fact, if anything, we deserve punishment from God. 
And yet God gives us grace. He pours out on us so much that we don't deserve. And as long as you have in your head grace is undeserved merit, as long as you have that it has this idea of being undeserved and you also think, but there are things that you do deserve, you never really understand grace. You never get it. You will always have, even though you'll never maybe say it in your prayers or never say it to God, you will always have these things that you believe God is obligated to do for you, obligated to give to you. You will always think that. And by the way, it doesn't just affect our relationship with God. It affects our relationship to each other too. Because then it all becomes about what I deserve and what my rights are. And so grace is so important, so vital to our lives as Christians. And so we come to this story, and it's kind of a weird story when you think about it, because you know you don't really think that what we're going to look at today is about grace. The scripture that Jeremy read, that's about grace, at least the way we usually think about it. But the story we're going to look at today is, is it's after Jesus is born. And his parents do what good Jewish parents did. They went to the temple and they op- offered these different sacrifices. But as they get to the temple, they're met by two people, two elderly people. And we're just going to talk about one today. The first one they meet is this guy named Simeon. And so let's look of what the Luke chapter 2 tells us about this story. It says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, talking about Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him, in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own heart or your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So again, this kind of unusual story, unexpected. Joseph and Mary are doing what 
Joseph and Mary should have done. They're going and they're observing what the, what the um, Mosaic law had told them to do. But then they have this unexpected moment, unexpected to them, where just kind of out of the blue, this guy just comes up. And it, you know, we, it's always hard because the way they tell stories in the, Old Te- in the New Testament aren't necessarily the way that we would tell stories. And so it's hard for us to know for sure, but it's almost like he just comes up and takes the child from Mary. Which, you know, in our day and age would kind of freak us out. You know, if you new mom come to church, some crazy old man comes up and grabs your baby, you'd be like, wait, 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 wait. You know, if you have security, you'd call security. Something would happen, right? But he comes and in he, he says, now, now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. He says, I've seen your salvation. This, is, this, this child is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. Grace. How do we see grace in this story? Well, grace comes in unexpected ways. Notice what Simeon considers a grace. He considers death a grace. When he says, now your servant can depart, he's not saying like, whew, been standing on these steps for years. Now I can go, you know, fishing, or I can go, you know, wherever. No. He realizes God has been keeping him there, allowing him to keep coming back, waiting and waiting and waiting. And now he gets to die. Grace is not always what we think. In this case, it's really what he wanted. It's kind of what he wanted second most. What he wanted most was to be able to see the Messiah. And he gets that grace too. He gets that grace. He gets to see how at least his part of the story ends. And he gets to see the hope of the story that's to come. It's a grace. Not everybody is afforded that grace. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, Joseph, we don't know what happens to Joseph, but we know Joseph, Joseph is, is obedient and faithful to do what, what, what the angel told him to do. But he doesn't get to see the crucifixion. He doesn't get to see Jesus' ministries. He doesn't get to see those times when, when his son is the most popular person, where tens of thousands of people are talking about him and, and rushing to see him, and they, they cannot get enough. He doesn't get to see the resurrection. He doesn't get that reunion there on, on earth with his son. He doesn't get all of that. And yet he has grace. 
his grace that God includes him in the story, that God gives him this important role. Grace sometimes comes in unexpected ways. When we think about something like unmerited favor, when we think about things, you know, getting blessings from God that we don't deserve, we tend to have a little, you know, list of what we think the blessings are and what they should be and what they should do and how I should feel about them. And as a result, sometimes, sometimes we, we miss out on the grace that's being given to us. Because we want it to look differently. We want it to be different. And God is pouring out grace upon grace on us. Well, we also see that the Christmas story is, the whole story is about grace that comes in an unexpected way. Salvation that comes in an unexpected way. That's the whole, like, the earthly theme of the Christmas story. Here are these, these peasants of a conquered people. They're not even important among their own people. And their son is the Savior. Their son is the Messiah. It's this baby. And, and it, it doesn't happen like um, where... You know, baby gets to grow up, and then, and then when baby is man, now, now he can be the ruler. As we talked about with the Magi, the Magi go to King Herod and say, hey, where's the baby who was born king? Not baby who was born to be king. Where's the baby who was born king? Where's the baby who is the rightful heir the throne of David. From the very beginning, they're saying this. Grace comes in unexpected ways. And when we think grace has to look a certain way, has to be a certain way, we often miss the baby Jesus. And it's... it's it's amazing because you go, well, well, you know, why did that happen that way? Why did, you know, why didn't God let Joseph and Mary, you know, I mean, for goodness sakes, he's given them a really hard job, raise the Messiah. And then he makes it harder. You know, these big mouth magi tell the king, this rival king is born. Why didn't they just keep it to themselves? Why couldn't if he had led them over to you know, to the manger without them going to the king. Well, we know part of the story is there's this fulfillment of scripture. But another part, it's grace. And it's grace to Mary and Joseph. Jesus, the baby Jesus, didn't need to be protected. He was the son of God. God had that under control. Joseph and Mary, they needed encouragement. They needed these moments where people would come and do things and they would go, what that angel said is true. 
these shepherds, the magi, they're coming. It's true. And, and a lot of those stories end this way. They say, and Mary saw these things and treasured them in her heart. It's a grace. And God was okay. Hey, they're not in danger as far as I'm concerned. Oh, Joseph and Mary felt danger. They fled, which they needed to do. But God granted to them this grace. And we need to know that too. That sometimes grace comes in unexpected ways. There is a reason that the church, there is a reason that the church in other parts of the world is exploding and the church in the West is dying. And it's because in other parts of the world, the church has this grace, and it's this grace of, of not having everything you need. Not complaining about it's too hot or too cold or the, the seats are too uncomfortable. They're, they're, in some countries, hiding. They're worshiping. They're wanting to proclaim to the world in loud ways, but... They're persecuted. And there's a grace that comes from persecution. If our church were ever truly persecuted, the grace that would come is that all of you who kept coming, all of you who stayed true, you would know each other's faith. Right now, we don't really know. Oh, we, we try, you know, we, we try to figure it out, but everything we do kind of fails. Or it can be kind of circumvented. You know, how do you know someone's faithful? Is it because they come every Sunday? Is it because they, they tithe? Is it because they, they read their Bible? Is it because they, they are teaching, they're in leadership? Um, how do we know someone is faithful? Persecution kind of messes with that. Because if the price of following Christ, which all of us who are Christians say we are willing to pay, if that could very well come due today, then we really know who's faithful. It's one thing to say, I surrender my life to Christ. It's one thing to say I'm crucified with Christ. It's one thing to say, you know, all that I am is, is lost. I lay down. Because we always say that, but we always are thinking, if it's required. If it's necessary. So when we say it over here, and then we say the if, that's one thing. Do we really know? Sometimes the grace that comes in unexpected ways is when God reveals to us what's really in our hearts. When God 
reveals to you the need of a brother and sister in Christ? How do you respond? When God gives you the grace of a really annoying other person in the church, how do we show grace? comes in unexpected ways. The other part we see right in the middle there where it talks about, you know, in my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I don't know all that Simeon understood. We're not really told all of that, but here's the point that comes from the retelling of this story by Luke. That God's grace of salvation is offered to all people. And we think that is like, okay, so yeah, okay, I got that. 2,000 years, right? But what we need to understand is back then, in the first century, this was radical stuff. This idea of a, of a, of a universal God, a global God, a God of all creation, a God of all people, that's not really the common way people thought about things. They thought more about these regional gods or national gods or even smaller areas where you would have the gods. And how did you know your god was the strongest god? Because your nation was the strongest nation. That's how you knew. That's what was so annoying to the Romans about the Jewish people. They're sitting around talking about how great their God is. And the Romans are like, really? Come on, guys. Even when, you're, even when things are going well for you, you were nothing like us. You didn't have the reach that we had. Even under Solomon, when, when, when Israel had as close as it came to having an empire under Solomon... Even then, it was just a fraction of what Rome was. It's regional gods, national gods. And here is, you know, from the Romans' eyes, a small group within this other small group. And they're making these claims that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Really? And yes, really. That the grace that God offers is this grace of salvation. And this grace of salvation comes in unexpected ways. He doesn't come from the most powerful empire, the most powerful kingdom. He doesn't have, you know, from earthly eyes this this idea of royal lineage that, that comes through the powerful, his, you know, the house of David. In other words, the king of a conquered people. But it's a salvation that's offered to all people. It's this grace. And then we see at the very end of this story, 
It says, his father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now that part that's in parentheses, a lot of uh, Bible scholars think Simeon didn't actually say that, but it was actually added. But as, as a way of talking about what Mary is going to face, it doesn't really matter at this point. What matters is Simeon understood why God had him there for all those years. He understood why he was extended this grace of getting to see the Messiah. And it was so that he could bless Mary. See, God's grace to the faithful is so that they can bless others. This is something we've talked about at this church for, for a long time. And we will keep talking about it. That, that God doesn't save us just to save us. He doesn't bless us just to bless us. He doesn't, he doesn't give us joy just to give us joy. That everything that he blesses us with, all the grace that he pours out upon us, is so that we can bless others, so that we can serve others, so that we can see better about how we can, we can equip others, how we can, can strengthen and encourage and edify one another so that we as a church can be a better example to this community and to this state and to this world about how God wants us to live. And if we live this way, there is no better way to live. It is never just about you. God never pours out grace upon you just for you. It is so that he can empower you, so that he can equip you, so that he can use you. Next week, the gift that we're going to talk about next week is the gift of purpose, that God gives us this gift of purpose. But this gift of grace is really important because if he just gave us a purpose, but he didn't, he didn't bless us, he didn't pour out grace upon us so that we could then be able to fulfill the purpose, it would be left up to us. And I'm going to tell you, God's purpose on our own is not something we can accomplish. And so we see Simeon. He blesses Mary. Mary and Joseph are going to pass that blessing on in how they raise their son. The verse that, that Jeremy read, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of people and, and you know, pastors and others, when they, when they look at that verse from Romans, they want to stop there. 
They want to just say, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ Jesus. I have no condemnation. But we cannot stop there. We have to continue. We have to look at and see that what this is telling us is, is you were freed not so you could run wherever you want. You were freed so that you could follow Christ. You were freed so that you could be a part of his kingdom. You were freed. Not just so you could say, there's no condemnation. And this, this last point that I think is important for us is to know that when God pours out grace on us, when God brings blessings into our lives, they are unexpected. And sometimes they hurt. They're painful. We're not 100% sure what, what is meant when it says a sword will pierce through your own soul also. We just know for sure that, that the Bible is saying, Mary, it's going to hurt. Yeah, you got this blessing. You've been chosen. You're, you've born the Messiah. You're going to raise the Messiah. But it's going to hurt. And again, sometimes we think grace is, is somehow pain-free. It's only good. But no, some of the greatest gifts of grace we have, they hurt. And so we come, we come to this, this, this gift that God gives us. I hope we have a little bit of understanding of, of what grace is and, and why it's given to us. And I hope that your prayer is that God will continue to pour out grace upon you, not just for your own sake. We do benefit, I'm not going to lie, but so that you may pour out grace upon others. Let's pray.